When I accidentally found my way into the world of e-commerce, one of the biggest challenges that I had was actually finding something to sell. And I don't mean discovering a product that had a selling opportunity. I literally mean finding the product to sell. Now, I didn't understand e-commerce and I didn't understand, I guess, the global world of supply. But I found this magical website called Alibaba that literally changed the entire trajectory of my life. We're going to talk about that as we talk to one of the leaders of the North American Alibaba how do we say this? Initiative, I guess is a good word. It's going to be a great episode. Tons of great information you need to hear. Make sure you listen all the way to the end. Here we go. Hi, I'm Tim Jordan. And in every corner of the world, entrepreneurship is growing. So join me as I explore the stories of successes and failures. Listen in as I chat with the risk takers, the adventurous, and the entrepreneurial veterans. We all have a dream of living a life, fulfilling our passions, and we want a business that doesn't make us punch a time clock, but instead runs around the clock in the AM and the PM. So get motivated, get inspired. You're listening to the AM PM podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the AM PM podcast. I'm your host, Tim Jordan. And today we are talking about a topic that has been actively researched and massively discussed in the e-commerce slash small and medium-sized business world. When we look at basically the the life cycle of an e-commerce business or small business. One of the very, very first segments that we have to look at and that's massively important is actually finding a product that is well-designed, well-produced, easy to get your hands on, priced, uh, I guess, in a way that can be marked up. We'll say, I hate to say cheap, but priced in a way that is affordable to be marked up and actually make some profit on. And that whole process used to be very, very complicated. Right, Large companies had massive teams of manufacturers that were being communicated with by sourcing and procurement agents. And for small businesses, especially like the ones that I started, that would have been nearly impossible to do. I would have essentially, if I was going to sell something here like in the U.S., had to go through wholesalers that were working directly with manufacturers and importers. And, I would, and it eliminated a lot of my ability to customize products, to get them quickly, and to get them inexpensively. One of the greatest books I've ever read. I need to see if it's up here. One of the most enlightening books. If you're watching the video, I've got the book. It's called Alibaba, The House That Jack Ma Built by Duncan Clark. It's a biography of Jack Ma. And it starts off talking about this kid that really didn't know what he was going to do in life. And he found a computer somewhere in the Northwest, brought it back to China. It was one of the first, first computers brought back to China and actually was able to promote a hotel in a city that Bill and Hillary Clinton were coming to. It's like their first trip to China. And using the internet was able to massively blow up this business for this hotel. And it sparked this realization in him that this crazy thing in the 90s called the internet was going to allow people on one side of the world to find a service, a supplier, or something on the other side of the world directly without having to go through those sourcing agents, procurement agents. Most of you are familiar with Alibaba, and of course, that's what I'm talking about. And today in this episode, we're talking about maybe some pieces or components of Alibaba that you're not familiar with. And we have with us Anthony Ferreira, who works with Alibaba. And I'm going to ask him to kind of introduce himself, uh, talk about maybe how he landed in this role, talk about what his role is. And then we're going to jump into talking a little bit more about some of my experience in history with Alibaba and also some amazing things that are coming with Alibaba specific to North America. So, Anthony, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And, you know, we, we've been speaking 
recently on, on a couple of initiatives that we'll probably touch on later. So I'm happy to be a uh, part of the podcast. So how did you land at Alibaba? Um, so it's an interesting story. Um, I started my career as one of the founding members at a uh, e-commerce startup called Open Sky uh, that underwent a handful of, of iterations as um, many startups do, trying to find our, our way. Uh, we landed on a model that was a effectively a, a B2C marketplace for uh, SMBs to sell to consumers in the United States. So think like Etsy, but for actual brands and not necessarily stuff that was handmade. Um, throughout that journey, Alibaba actually invested in that company, um, ended up purchasing that company in Open Sky, uh, in which today was uh, one of Alibaba's biggest acquisitions in the United States and, and in North America. Uh, and as a function of that transaction, the uh, Open Sky team effectively became the nucleus or the starting team for um, Alibaba.com here in, in North America, um, which had never existed uh, to that point. So what is your role specifically with Alibaba here in North America now? Alibaba.com, uh, for those those listening, it, it's a B2B marketplace, right? It's over 21 years old now, right? Founded in, in 1999 by Jack Ma. Um, and being that it's a marketplace, it really serves to function two audiences, right? There's the uh, supply side, um, which in our case means manufacturers, exporters, you know, SMBs. Uh, and then there's the demand side, which in you know our parlance is is uh, is buyers SMB that's buyers our audience. It's the, the people that are buying Ex- products. Yeah. Exactly. If you're listening to this right now, you're you're likely on the demand side of, of the Alibaba.com marketplace equation. So I've serviced both sides of the um, equation, um, working on buyer development, buyer marketing, um, buyer partnerships uh, a few years ago. Uh, but more recently, uh, I've stepped into a role leading all of our supply efforts in North America. So helping suppliers, exporters, manufacturers, distributors in North America join Alibaba.com to actually sell, um, which a lot of folks don't realize is is actually possible today. The majority of Alibaba's traffic is probably similar to the way I started with Alibaba. And the way that started was I was actually looking for heavy machinery, Caterpillar construction equipment on Google. And I was trying to buy it in the U.S. to ship it to Africa, of all things. <laughs> and this crazy site called Alibaba kept popping up, showing me this Caterpillar equipment. And you know, a very short version of the story is there were people in China that had equipment that had been left there after the Beijing Olympic construction. And it was this American-made Caterpillar. And I was like, great. Like, There's all this equipment there. It looks less expensive than I can buy in the U.S. And mm-hmm. using these connections I made in Alibaba, I actually... Got, just got a plane ticket and went to China. Uh, funny story, I didn't know you needed a visa to go to China, so I actually landed mm-hmm. in China without a visa, and that was a crazy <laughs> story. But uh, I got I got into Shanghai and, and made a lot of connections that literally changed my life. I ended up with business partners, starting businesses based in China, people that I met on that trip. And it was because this marketplace, not marketplace, this directory allowed me to find these different people. So can you explain the difference between a marketplace and a directory and explain exactly what Alibaba is? Because a lot of people think that Alibaba is a place that you go to buy products, but that's not actually the case, is it? Yeah, that, that's part of the equation and maybe the most important part of it, but it's, it's definitely more than that. And so, um, you know, as I mentioned, there's a supply side and the demand side. In, in our DNA and why Alibaba.com was founded in, in 1999 by Jack Ma was the, the concept was to bring Chinese manufacturing 
um, and allow the world to access it in a way that they never had before. I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot of the folks listening, maybe you've been to Canton Fair or various trade shows. That's the kind of historical way of, of finding yeah. a manufacturer or a, a business. Yeah, there was a lot of steps, trade shows or those procurement agents or the exporters. So this was a way to directly connect the buyer with the seller. That's exactly right. Like the whole, the whole idea of the platform was to kind of cut through all that, bring that trade show concept online, have it be 24-7, 365, and allow SMB buyers to talk directly to manufacturers um, and give them a way to actually filter, find, vet them in a way that wouldn't necessarily cost you know, thousands of dollars for a plane ticket, a, 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 an adventure getting a visa in your case, <laughs> uh, you know, tra- you know, tra- tra- trapezing through the, the you know, rural, um, you know, ch- China to speak and meet and, and vet your factories. Like we thought, hey, you can bring this concept to the Internet and you can cut through all that and create a lot of value. And, and again, help the world's SMBs actually make the things that they want to make in a much more in a much easier, more efficient way. So. If we, and I say we, myself, the audience, is thinking of Mm -hmm. Alibaba as that, which is this way to connect essentially Chinese manufacturers to buyers throughout the world, we would actually be wrong. That may be how it started, but things have changed a whole lot. So you've already talked about the addition to the Alibaba group of Alibaba.com, which is essentially North American based. Uh, Mm -hmm. We talked about the acquisition of Open Sky, which was a North American based company that Alibaba invested in and then purchased. And now you have the role of running a team here that essentially does what? So talk to me about your role specific to Alibaba in North America. Yeah. So as I mentioned, you know, today my role is, is strictly about uh, enabling uh, and helping North American suppliers sell on Alibaba.com. So, you know, uh, the platform Alibaba is, is gigantic. Um, millions and millions of buyers, um, hundreds of thousands of suppliers. As you've mentioned, the majority of them today are based in China. But as of, we'll call it 2019, we've started to really launch and invest in supply hubs in other parts of the world outside of China. Um, the reason we did this is a lot of our research was telling us that, hey, Yes, while China is kind of the manufacturing hub of, of the planet, um, there's still a lot of categories, um, kind of business scenarios. Yeah, different um, industries completely. Industries, trade agreements between countries, so specific trade lanes have different kind of considerations than others um, that says, hey, actually, our, our buyers are telling us they want kind of a, a more diverse supply base so that when they are making that that, that decision on supplier selection, it's not just China only. Um, they can find suppliers in Italy or the United States or Vietnam or, or, or Mexico. And that's, that today is what I focus on is, is building up our supply in, in North America on Alibaba.com. And this is so valuable because there is nothing like that. Uh, you know, I run mastermind groups and I speak at conferences and like it's always talked about like, how do we find suppliers? How do we find suppliers in these different places, whether it be Vietnam or India or North America or Mexico or South? And there's nothing like Alibaba, right? Or there hasn't been, I should say. So even finding a supplier in my own city in North Alabama, I'm literally just poking around Google and hoping something comes up, right? And it's it's very, very difficult. So Alibaba has obviously decided that there is value in expanding their presence, not just recruiting buyers, but also recruiting sellers, finding these manufacturers in North America. Alibaba is not stupid. 
right? Like we know that Alibaba is one of those companies that probably does a lot of due diligence and a lot of research before jumping into something. Alibaba must know something that a lot of the world doesn't know, which is that there is a huge opportunity for manufacturing in North America. Would that be a correct statement or, or what does Alibaba see as the future, I guess, of manufacturing in a region like this? Yeah, I think um, there's a huge opportunity to digitize kind of B2B trade in, in the United States and especially manufacturing. You think a lot of the, you think about a lot of these manufacturers that we deal with today, a lot of them still don't have a website. <laughs> they still don't really have a, a legitimate e-commerce strategy. They're, they're, um, a little bit behind the times in, in, in that regard. And it's still a major engine of the U.S. economy. And so to us, that's a huge opportunity to digitize that, bring that online and really help and, and, and enable growth of U.S. manufacturing in a way that currently isn't serviced today, helping them find buyers and markets that they may never have been able to access in the past or provide tools to help make the trading uh, across borders easier, whether it's financing or supply chain support, that sort of thing. And so that's kind of our our, our vision and our quest is is to really, you know, kind of enable SMB exporters, manufacturers to actually get the same advantages that Chinese suppliers have had on Alibaba.com for 20 years and has had has helped them grow into, you know, multi-million dollar operations from small kind of, you know, entrepreneurial family shops. Um, yeah. Yeah. Family shops in a garage. And now, yep. you know, we have some suppliers that are multinational conglomerates, but they started on Alibaba, Alibaba.com, you know, as a, as a, as a small family enterprise. And, you know, we, we, we help them grow. That's really kind of all we do and what we pride ourselves on. So I understand that Alibaba recognizes this need to connect, right? Connecting yep. the manufacturers with the people that are looking for it. But do you see the biggest opportunity being a connecting manufacturers that did not have marketing, which you just mentioned, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? So are, are you saying that there's a ton of manufacturers, people just don't know how to find them or is it kind of one of those situations where there are many more fact manufacturers coming online now, like the demand is actually increasing. So the timing is right. Or is it a combination of both? It, it's definitely a combination of the two. Um, you know, there isn't a great, Kind of centralized directory of, of U.S. manufacturing capacity, especially when you talk about catering to a global audience. Um, you know, there are some smaller directories here in the U.S. If you're an American, you probably can use them and access them. But if you are interested in, in U.S. supply and you're in Brazil or you're in kind of Europe, and today there really isn't a great solution. And we've always been kind of a global first platform, especially from the demand side, the buyer mm -hmm. side. All of our tools are kind of in a million different languages yep. and um, there's automatic translation tools and all that kind of fun stuff. And so um, we want to bring that value to, to U.S. businesses and, and, and help them kind of, you know, with, in, in the way that we know best. And so um, yeah, to answer your question, yes, it's, I think it's, there, there's an opportunity just to get them the visibility that they didn't have before. Um, that's first and foremost, right? And then once that is there, then our plan is to really double down on, on the services to enable the trade once they've become visible and it can, can start attracting buyers. When we look at this opportunity of sourcing, now we've said a couple different things. We've said either North America and we've said U.S., but really... Yep really the focus is on um, not just the U.S., but North America in general, right? So mm -hmm. we're looking at North America being uh, the U.S., Mexico, which is a hot topic, and then yep. also probably Canada, you're trying to yep. onboard, maybe a little bit of Central America too. Yep. So 
why is this important now from the Alibaba perspective? And I'll give you my opinion. When we look at the hot topics in product-based businesses, small and medium-sized businesses in the supply chain, we look at a lot of changes in the past three years, really, probably. And then as things moved into COVID, the supply chain, the, the uh, boats parked off a long beach that can't get into the port, uh, the lack of containers, the factories in China being shut down for COVID. Like, do you see those as being catalysts for a massively accelerated demand for manufacturing here in North America? Or do you think that it was coming already? Like, like what do you see as the... I guess the catalyst or the the rocket fuel that's poured on this demand. I, I love the the analogy to rocket fuel because what you just mentioned, I think, is more gasoline to a fire that already existed. So when we think of kind of the overall strategic vision of, of why we're doing what we're doing, the feedback from from the buyers on our platform is is that you know labor in Asia is actually is is the cost of it is going up. Right, which yeah. is in general, from like a global perspective, great. Like generations of people are being pulled out of yes. poverty, but that also means that there's a growing middle class there with higher wages, and manufacturing work there is not as super low cost as it as it used to be. And that's um, so unrelated that, to COVID. That's unrelated to tariffs. Totally this unrelated. is something that was already happening, and and I, and I witnessed this. You're 100 yep. percent right. I wasn't thinking about it, but this was happening prior to these short term crises, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. That this has been just a trend over the last, we'll call it 15, 20 years, as Asia really kind of steps forward in kind of the, the, the global playing field, so to speak, and, and, and like kind of the power that they have. Um, but that, that comes with kind of rise in standard of living and, and rise in wages, and that will obviously impact kind of the, your manufacturing costs if, if that's where you're all based. So that's kind of one element to it is more parity in kind of the labor costs with manufacturing doesn't necessarily give them that kind of all-out advantage that they've had in the past. Um, but then you add in things like like tariffs, which you mentioned, right? Like, you know, it, there, there's a big-time tariff benefits of sourcing from uh, a Mexico or a Canada based on, on the trade agreements that are in place. There's cultural aspects of, of doing trade in North America versus China. There's a lot of cultural differences that are uh, some people can navigate easier than others. There's language, there's time zone, there's shipping speed, right? Like anything sourced from, say, a Mexico, if you're in the United States, can get to you much, much, much quicker and over roads and rail instead of a, you know, a, a, a two-month journey over the Pacific Ocean. Um, and so when you add that all together, um, you, you start to come up with a pretty compelling case as to why we should actually have more supply choices closer to home um, and not have it be so concentrated in Asia, which is historically kind of where we've been. And so the things you mentioned are just kind of gasoline on that fire that's been, I believe, building for the last 15, 20 years. I love that you said it was a fire that was already there and I couldn't agree more. And this is important, folks that are listening. Listen to this. When we are thinking about where we're going to source our products or what products we're going to sell, do not make the mistake of thinking that potential interest in North American sourcing is just a response to a short-term crisis. All right. This isn't just, oh, let's react quickly because of COVID or let's react quickly because of tariffs, but that stuff will work itself out. So why should I invest my time building relationships with suppliers that are more regionally, you know, close to me because I'm not going to need that again in two years. If you're thinking that, I think you're dead wrong, right? There was already reasons to be sourcing 
more in regions like North America before these accelerators happened. All right. Mm -hmm. So don't shirk past this episode. Don't shirk past this idea of sourcing locally. If you're here thinking that it's a short term problem to be solved. I think that there Mm -hmm. are long-term reasons and long-term, there is long-term value in finding multiple places to source. Now, I do want to step back for just a second and I'm going to make a statement. Uh, You'll probably agree with me, Anthony, I don't know because we didn't talk about this before, but (laughs) I still firmly believe that the majority of the products in the world will continue to be made in China for a very long time. I'm looking around my office and like 90% of the things in my office are probably made in China. I'm not saying that all the manufacturing and all the sourcing is leaving China and it needs to be located to India or Mexico. I'm not saying that. But when I look at the catalog of products that I've sold over the past five years, probably half of those items could have been sourced and manufactured a lot of different places. And I wish that I had looked at places like Mexico for a lot of these products that I was sourcing in China. So we're not saying that you should stop sourcing from China completely. And I'm not saying that any product that you're sourcing in China right now can be sourced in other places. Like there's a lot of moving pieces to this. It's a, it's a very complicated equation, but there are a lot of applications, products, and uh, industries that can be sourced from other places. Would you agree with that? Or do you want to kind of fix maybe a, a incorrect statement that I made or, or anything like that, Anthony? No, I think that's, that's really well stated. Um, you know, it's, it's still our core kind of supply base is still in China. That's not going to change in the foreseeable future for Alibaba. Um, it, Even a lot still... of raw materials. Like if I'm sourcing Correct. a leather product out of Central America, probably the zippers, the buttons, and the snaps are still coming from China to Central America where it's all added to local leather assembled and then sold in the U.S. That's exactly right. Correct. It's, it's the, the manufacturing capacity is so broad and so deep that's not going away over time. And, and it still has its place. And it's still today, the number one, I think still will be the number one for the foreseeable future. But you're starting to see some of that diversification to your point. Um, and so the, the one thing I would add to it is the kind of the category side of things, I think, um, which we haven't spoken about. And so there are certain categories that our research tells us that the buyers prefer to, you know, um, get their supply from from other markets, whether that's um, medical devices from the United States. You know, the, the demand on our platform shows that buyers much prefer to source their medical supplies from American suppliers versus suppliers in other kind of global markets, right? And that goes the same for, for a few other categories as well. And so for us, it's about trying to figure out globally, where does each country have a real competitive advantage? Um, and then really doubling down on those categories so that we're offering the world the best you know, selection of supply in, you know, the markets that they want to want to source from. And so that's a, that's a component of this as well. And, um, worth, worth considering when you're trying to make a sourcing decision. Absolutely. So by now we have convinced the listeners this episode that there are benefits to sourcing in different regions. So specifically let's talk North America. So let's talk about the U S let's talk about uh, Mexico, places like that. We also know that the manufacturers here want to sell to buyers here, but maybe they've struggled. What challenges does Alibaba see affecting the ability for these buyers and sellers to connect? Why has it been so difficult for this, I don't know, divergence to happen before? Like what, what is the problem? I don't know if it's a problem as much as it's a, I think a change of mentality. And from what I mentioned earlier as a kind of a legacy business, again, most manufacturers in the United States 
were, were founded, you know, some years ago. Um, and so it, it's a matter of just kind of modernizing the thinking. And what I mean by that is um, it, what actually surprises me sometimes when we'll talk to some manufacturers and you'll ask them, Hey, like, what's, like, what's your kind of growth strategy, you know, for, for next year? Where, where are you sourcing your clients? And sometimes I've actually heard, Hey, you know what, we're actually good. We're good with the clients that we have. Right. And like, that is kind of a, to me, a, a, a strange kind of, you know, um, a, a position to take, but more and more, like as we offer resources for folks to be able to kind of where they sit at home using the internet, using marketplaces like Alibaba.com to reach buyers everywhere, it allows them to kind of think about growth in a way that they never had before. Or in the past, it was, well, do we want to go to this huge trade show or invest in this, you know, uh, a big initiative? Like, I, you know, I don't know if we can do that. Where Alibaba allows you to kind of do that in a way that's um, a little bit easier. Um, you could do it from home. You have your own sales staff can deal with the leads that you get, and it just kind of makes it a bit a bit easier for folks. So I think it's more of a, just a change in mentality that we have that we're up against that we're we're constantly trying to trying to you know help our our sellers educate that hey, there's there's possibilities all over the world for you that you may not know exist, like let Alibaba or let other platforms or other trade shows kind of help you get there. Do you think that Alibaba's core experience, which is connecting global buyers to uh, primarily and and initially Mm -hmm. sellers in China, do you think that that experience is maybe a little bit of a hindrance in trying to figure out how to make those connections other places because culturally there's going to be some differences. So is Alibaba having to relearn and restructure kind of the game plan for how they com- facilitate communications with these different regions or has it been fairly easy? Oh my gosh. That's like uh, you're going to peek into my everyday work here at, at, at Alibaba.com. Um, you know, the, the truth is the platform is, you know, again, it's 22 years old. And for the first 18 years of the platform's existence, it served one type of supplier, SMB manufacturer in, in you know in China. Um, since we started adding suppliers from all over the world in mass, you're starting to deal with like a lot of cultural differences with how suppliers in Italy or US or Mexico or Vietnam use a platform in a much different way than the, the Chinese factory has traditionally used a platform. And so every single day we're constantly working with our product engineering team to Make changes, what we call localize, you know, uh, uh, the, the the design of the product, the usability of the product, to make it easier for folks to to operate and, and use it and, and get value from it. That's every single day. Um, and sometimes, you know, there, there's there's conflict with, hey, you know, uh, an American supplier wants the platform to work this way, but Chinese suppliers want the platform to work this way, and so that's kind of the day to day, you know. Um, you know, challenge that we have to that we have to deal with because again, truthfully, our, our goal is to serve all SMBs, and we think that's uh, all SMB manufacturers and export exporters. And so, um, we think we can get there. It's just every day, little by little, kind of chipping away and localizing um, the product for you know the market so that they can you know use it in the way that they want to use it. And so, um, another thing I would add is just kind of the competitive nature of the platform, you know, any marketplace that you join, B2C, B2B, whatever, um, when you join, it's it's a competitive environment, right? Like you have to have the best product listings. You have to have the most product listings in some platforms. Or you have to have the best reputation or seller score, whatever that may be. And so um, kind of one of the challenges that we're constantly grappling with is enabling our sellers from outside of China to compete with Chinese sellers that have had a 17-year head start 
right? And so, um, you know, that, that's also something that's that's really top of mind for us, and something that we we spend a lot of time and 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 uh, kind of energy on to help enable them and compete for the for the you know eyeballs of of these valuable buyers. If we're looking at North America, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a very big contrast between the U.S. and Mexico, and these are yep. two very hot topics in sourcing. Now, you've talked yep. about some things that ideally want to be produced in the U.S. These could mm-hmm. be things from pharmaceuticals and supplements to medical devices to very high-end athletic apparel, maybe, right? Like mm-hmm. specific branding. You've already talked about inexpensive labor and how important that is for a lot of industries for manufacturing, right? And you mentioned that when you were saying that the cost of labor is going up in China. So it's not always the cheapest place to have something manufactured anymore. So we're thinking about inexpensive labor and uh, as, as an asset for some products. And we think about products that we ideally would like to source in the U.S., but we know is very, very expensive to produce mm-hmm. things generally in the U.S. We have to talk about Mexico, right? Yep. It's been a hot topic. Now, Latin America in general, but specifically Mexico, Central America, has been something that um, I've had in mind for a number of years. Years ago, I actually had a small sourcing company in Guatemala, and we were sourcing products from local artisans and selling them through brands here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And I've had my eye on Mexico for a long time, Uh, but it's been really hard to find manufacturers there, just like you talked about. You know, there's there's been this fire burning for a lengthy period of time uh, from guys like me that are trying to find manufacturers, but there aren't great trade shows that I can just go to. There's no Canton yep. Fair in Mexico. There hasn't been a place for buyers and sellers to meet online like Alibaba, right? And we know that that's kind of changing. But what does Alibaba see in the value and the future of specifically Mexico? Like, like are you pinpointing Mexico as a high-priority opportunity for manufacturing and sourcing and selling in this region? Yeah, certainly. So again, of all the, 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 the points we mentioned earlier in terms of time zone and supply chain savings and tariff savings and cultural savings and all of those kind of, um, uh, you know, points that it can be challenging when sourcing from, from halfway across the world, a lot of those end up being solved in, in, in Mexico. Um, and so when you add that on top of a recent administration change in Mexico, which is really starting to make a point of investing in the uh, manufacturing economy in, in Mexico and enabling more exports, enabling manufacturing growth in Mexico and in the different provinces, I think you see a really, really nice recipe for the growth of, of Mexican exports manufacturing and specifically the US-Mexico trade lane, which is one of the biggest in the world. Um, to start to, but a lot of it today is dominated by massive corporations. I yep. think what you'll start to see is um, entrepreneurs in Mexico and the U.S. doing kind of what they do best and starting their own businesses and starting to trade with each other, um, you know, in, in a way that we've never seen before. So for that reason, we're, we're, we're extremely excited about the market and and um, we're investing very heavily in it. And the administration change is something that I didn't know about till recently, but I'm now understanding how important that is. Mm-hmm. Now, for a long time, I don't know, 20 years or more, we've had the North American Free Trade Agreement, right? NAFTA, mm-hmm. which yep. in very simple terms made it a lot easier for me as someone in America to bring something in from Latin America with little to no duties, tariffs, regulations. Like it was easy to bring it in. Mm-hmm. However, it didn't mean that I could actually find it. It didn't mean that I could have it <laughs> manufactured. 
So a combination of two things, I think. One, this administration change in Mexico that is enabling the uh, the more rapid investment and increase in infrastructure to get manufacturing ramped up there has helped, as well as maybe some of these more highly pressured Asian companies and technology and engineers are now starting to invest as well privately in Mexico and sending experience and sending education, sending their technology and sending machinery in some cases to Mexico because they see it as a hot spot. So Mexico is very exciting. Um, don't want to give too much uh, too much information here, but we'll tell all of you listeners that um, there is going to be more capabilities to source for Mexico, not only the investment and uh, build out of the infrastructure and the connections and the platform that Alibaba is doing, but also in person. Uh, myself, Norm Farrar, Amy Weiss, as well as partnering with great folks like Alibaba and Anthony here, uh, we're putting on some events this year here in 2022, starting off in Mexico, uh, specifically in Mexico City. You can get more information if you would go to themexicotrip.com is a website where you can check out information about an educational series where um, we're basically teaching people how to source in Latin America and we're doing this in Mexico City. And then the trade show Evo Latam, E-V-O-L-A-T-A-M, spawned off of like Evolution Latam or Latin America, which is a trade show being hosted in Mexico City where Alibaba is going to be instrumental in uh, helping fund that endeavor essentially and promote it and sponsor it and also lend their education and the data that they have. And this is a trade show to connect regional manufacturers in Mexico with buyers really all over the world. We have people from the UK, from Australia, from Spain. Um, we actually have interest from people in China to come to this trade show already, Anthony, which is interesting. So there you go. Um, if you guys want to be uh, on the lookout for that, the Mexicotrip.com and EvoLatam.com, there's some stuff. Um, and thank you, Alibaba and Anthony, for, for helping us put that on. As we go forward in investing in Mexico, um, what are some of the challenges that we have with sourcing and finding manufacturers and finding supply chain solutions in Mexico? We talked about why there's a lot of advantages, but what are some of those um, those potholes, those hurdles, those pitfalls, those challenges? Yeah, I think when we like survey the market, a lot of what we see again when you when you think of the trade volume between the U.S. and um, and Mexico is mostly driven by massive corporations who will put their manufacturing hubs in um, in Mexico, and it's a very kind of highly tightly controlled manufacturing flow. Like you make your cars in Mexico, and you ship them over the border, and you sell your cars here, um, but. For us, for, for what we do and kind of for our vision of, of the growth of, of that market from a supply base and to help U.S. small businesses source from, from Mexico, um, it's really investment in SMB contract manufacturing. You know, SMBs in Mexico that can like make what you need. You can get them on the phone. Yeah. You can, you can kind of grow. They'll exactly. They'll do smaller it, MOQs. Because exactly. I know for a long time, like Ford Motor Company could buy transmissions from Mexico, but that doesn't help me who needs to Correct. buy 750 <laughs> widgets, right? Correct. Exactly. And so in, in helping kind of enable like the Mexican SMB manufacturer to understand how big of an opportunity it is for them to start to really, you know, grow in that regard. Again, not dissimilar from China, we'll call it 25 years ago. Like this is kind of th like that opportunity now, I believe is there 
for S- Mexican SMBs, which you know ultimately would benefit you know U.S. sourcers, U.S. B two C companies, and e-commerce companies, um, to be able to to bring some of that sourcing closer to home. And so, um, for us, it's really kind of enabling that ecosystem, helping train that ecosystem, um, and nurture it so that it can grow and and in the way that we really believe it can. I love it. I think that when we look at the way the world is changing when it comes to business. Mm-hmm. The future is small and medium-sized businesses. For sure. Right? Like even if we look at giant behemoths like Alibaba and Amazon, those businesses are functioning and succeeding because of the small businesses that use them. You know, over 50% of the products sold on Amazon are independent small businesses. Alibaba literally exists because it started connecting small businesses. And when we think about the potential for, I would say, the the growth of and the increased utilization of the smaller manufacturing businesses, especially in places like Mexico, it's very exciting. It's awesome. More more potential products, more capabilities, more, um, I don't know, abilities to source products that are maybe unique and very specific to what we're looking for. But also, what a great way to support economies, right? We know that underdeveloped countries, whether that be in some of the Latin American areas. Uh, we look at like what's happening in India, you know, it's mm-hmm. developing and just creating so much wealth. It's, it's the small businesses that's doing it. And exactly right. the ability for small businesses to small manufacturing businesses to grow, I think has been very limited in a place like Mexico, because even if they were able to produce their products, they weren't able to market their products and they weren't able to connect. So I am just beyond excited at the, I don't know, the the focus that Alibaba has on creating that connection and creating those relationships, which will enable small businesses that I love to continue to grow and sell because they will have the ability to connect with the people that they need to. I don't know if I sum that up right, but, uh, but that's kind of how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Like I think that the the stat that we've used in some of our kind of you know internal research is that more businesses have been started in the last two years than at any point in the last thirty years. Like entrepreneurship in the U.S. is is whenever there's like chaotic chaotic moments in in U.S. history, entrepreneurs generally seem to really shine through and and step into that kind of chaos. Um, and we're seeing that now. And so, um, so for. For us, you know, it, our entire business, Alibaba.com, exists to create wealth and empower SMBs. You know, gigantic megacorps don't need a, a marketplace to help source. Like they have sourcing offices and wherever they're sourcing from. It's uh, our our kind of whole existence is to create value on the you know the buy side and the sell side for SMBs. And so, you know, wherever their heads are at and wherever we can help them and nurture them and grow them is. That's that's all we want to do, honestly. So um, I, I think you you uh, mentioned it and you you kind of talked through it really really well there. And um, I think we're we're fully aligned. That's kind of our mission. And I think the future is bright uh, for U.S. entrepreneurs um, and kind of the audience listening here, and especially in in North America and and Central America, South America. You know, becoming kind of the the future of uh, global manufacturing is is how we see it. Well, there you go, folks. You heard it first. Alibaba is not just a place to find Chinese product sellers. Alibaba is a facilitator of small businesses globally, 
and they are actually putting their money where their mouth is by supporting um, initiatives in places like North America to bring on more sellers, more manufacturers, more suppliers. And even in the the stuff like what they're doing to support Evo Latam and the Mexico trip, I know that's small potatoes compared to the the big grand scheme of things on the platform, but it is so cool to see a company like Alibaba focusing on really facilitating more options, right? It's not mm-hmm. just a one-way street across the Pacific Ocean sending containers over. You know, Alibaba understands that this world is evolving fast, it's growing fast, and small businesses and manufacturers and sellers globally are going to continue to uh, increase their de- their I don't know, necessity to depend on each other mm-hmm. while becoming less dependent on one specific region or one specific supplier. So it's a pretty cool time to live in, uh, in my opinion. All right. Anything else is a, it's kind of a last wrap up moment. You're on a stage, um, <laughs> one stat and thank you all that are listening. Uh, I know last month again, we had over 20,000 downloads. So amazing. Thank you all for, uh, for supporting the podcast and sharing it. And, um, it's amazing that that many people actually listen to me get on here and talk every week, but, uh, <laughs> I blame it on the amazing guests that we have. So Anthony, you've got 20,000 people listening to this. What would you tell them as a piece of advice as we sign off? Yeah, I would tell them that Alibaba is not some spooky kind of Chinese company that's 4,000 miles away. You know, we have a big office here in New York. We have a big office in California. Get in touch with us. You know, don't be a stranger. If you want to sell on the platform, we can help you. If you want to buy on the platform, we have services and support and account managers that can help there as well. Um, you know, we're here. We're localizing the platform and the business for for the American buyer and seller, and um, we're not going away. Uh, we, we really believe in this market, and so um, please don't be a stranger. We're we're here to grow with you. So um, that's it. I think that's it. We appreciate all of you for listening, especially to the end of the episode. If you found any value on this, make sure to leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to, whether it's iTunes or Spotify. If you're watching us on YouTube, give us a thumbs up and uh, make sure to subscribe to this channel if you haven't already. And if any of you think that maybe a mastermind that you're in or a coaching group that you're in or some other business network, a Facebook group that you're in would find value in this, make sure to share that with them. It makes it a lot more fun to try to put together really good content when it gets shared around and people listen to it and then we get responses from that. So make sure to do that if uh, if you feel so behooved to do so. Um, Alibaba.com, we don't need to even give any like shout outs and call to actions because everybody knows what Alibaba is. You can go there and <laughs> check that out. But start keeping your eye out for more manufacturers being listed on the platform in different regions. You can filter any search results on the left-hand side of your screen by the country or the region. Um, Start watching because Alibaba is investing heavily in bringing more manufacturers from more places in the world onto that one platform. So it's going to be a fun ride. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Anthony, for being on. And we'll see you all on the episode next week. Thanks for having me, Tim.